0: Welcome to the Air Power Airwaves, the Air Power Manufacturing Solutions podcast series, where we talk about manufacturing issues that impact you. Some might be asking, "Okay, I, you you sold me. I, I really need to look at getting into powder, and all they have is like a, a, a small ten by ten or smaller liquid coating booth, and they let things ambient dry." Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't have a whole lot of technology here. We got a booth that's currently set up for liquid and they might be using paper or plastic filtration, whatever, Um, hopefully they have some. Uh, Can they, I'm, I'm posing the question for them since they can't right now. Can they turn that into a powder booth? Should they turn it into a powder booth
1: and why? The short answer is most liquid booths can be converted to capture powder so it doesn't release into the environment. Can you do it cost effectively? Got to run the numbers see what it is. Can I liquid paint today and powder coat tomorrow in that same booth? Not without changing the filters. Right yeah. and not changing the filter technology. Matter of fact, we we discourage that. But if your budget doesn't allow it, we'll try to work with you to make it happen somehow. Right? Uh, the the fire marshal typically doesn't, and NFPA National Fire Protection Association regulations don't differentiate too much. They they didn't used to differentiate at all, but now they differentiate. They're getting a better. Bit. Yeah. Well, now it's no more than 25% of the LEL of the powder that's in the air at at one given time. So lower explosion limit. Yep. That's your acronym for that. And you and I went through this process together probably 15 years ago. NFP 33. And it was very difficult to determine how many powder particles there are when you're spraying, right? And and what's the 25% of those? And it's to ground potential, and if there's an arc, and it gets to be really complicated, but bottom line is if you got 100 foot a minute airflow going through there, you ain't gotta worry about it. But and, and you're you're pretty
0: much, you're never gonna be able to exceed that limit if you have one gun and you're blowing powder out of a manual unit. You're not even going to be able to get close. to Just it. almost impossible. It is. It is a a large uh, automated booth type scenario, inline booth, where you have multiple guns, you know, banks and, of guns that are blowing what I've always referred to as dragon's breath in the middle of the in the middle of the booth. Right. And it's just this, just ginormous. They're going for. Full mill possible, you know. uh, You know,
1: uh, no matter what it is, a
0: high density cloud. That's why those booths are required to have, you know, the the eyes, fire detection, fire detection, and fire suppression.
1: Some fire suppression depending depending on on where they are, where you are. Yep, I've seen. Unfortunately, I've seen counties require fire suppression inside an oven. I'm like why? And but, yeah. and they wouldn't let go of it. Yep. They had to have it. So it had to figure thing.
0: out to make it to where it could handle the heat and the only thing that would trip it was a flame. You know. Was, yeah. Flame and, kiss.
1: Yeah. Or whatever. Smoke. But that's rare. But better be. That's why you invite your people in. That's hey, right. What do I need? Have that conversation up front because you get.
0: Hit with You're going right to have right. that conversation. You're going to have that conversation on your terms or on their terms. So the, <laughs> I would rather have it on my terms. <laughs> and it's yes. easy way to put it. Yeah. Um. Hey, if you know what, if you if you don't, if you never need the fire department to come to your location. Amen hallelujah you've had a great career <laughs> but yes. if you need them I would rather have them be knowledgeable about my process versus not sure this is not a plug for the fire department either so um, all right so let's look at some costing. This is where it gets interesting because some people there's always that guy that came into some money from you know, Great Uncle Henry or, or Aunt Bertha, and the guy's like, hey man, I'm gonna get into powder coating. Yep. And, and they, they take that money, and they buy the bare necessities. You and I have even seen powder operations that were not exactly legal, that were put up basically in a lean-to house. <laughs> And we have to make the choice to walk away. You know, we can't, we can't be involved. Um, but what I will say is, you get some people that get into it and they're only into it for a very little time because they went in so cheap and so underinvested that the clientele can
1: tell and they're not really interested. Well, that goes it back to you have to specs. sell your shop, you have to sell your capabilities, and when somebody comes in and sees inferior equipment, if they know equipment, and they see um, a mess, a rat hole, and I've got powder strewn everywhere, and and just and parts lined up that have that have been for there rework. for year,
0: for for rework or, or parts that have been there for yeah. forever trying to get through the first time, yeah, um, and I mean
1: hooks it, that are supposed but, to be this big that are now this big trying to get uh, that's not going to that's not going to look well so but
0: we know people that we know and we're friends with people that started out that way that listened well they grew. And turned things around they grew and they, they they were able to be very very profitable businesses that outgrew current location second location and into the third location well they reinvested you know, in their equipment very much so their profits went to equipment and reinvested to get better equipment if your idea of getting into powder coating just because you want a truck and a boat um, good luck but your money really for a good while and, and a percentage of it forever has to be reinvested into your business and i can think of one of the best examples, and I will leave him nameless, but the one of the best examples is a man that when I first met him, I thought he was homeless. He's probably one of the wealthiest men I know, and runs a shipshape, perfect process, and he's on that line every day. Yeah, pay attention. He, he, you know, it's crazy. All right, so let's talk about some costing. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what it's going to cost to get into business because we don't know your situation. We don't know where you are. We don't know what you're up against. I have no idea. Um, But hang tight. I'm going to ask, I'm going to have you information for you in a little bit. There are ways to look at
1: cost. Cost is everything. Um, You know, there's a, there's a, There's an industry buzzword called applied cost. Applied cost. And you have to look at what constitutes applied cost. And that's where you have to do a lot of homework on your end about knowing how much it's actually costing you to apply your liquid coating now versus what it would cost you to apply powder coating. On the same part. On the same part. Going by square footage. Uh, and you can
0: break square footage to square inches. You can. You, it, it's, there, there's many ways to, to break it down. There is. Um, let me tell you what, man. Some of these large shops where these guys and ladies have just come down to a finite science on on costing for quoting of jobs. Yeah. You know they know. They know what they spend on powder or they know what they spend on liquid. They know, they know how much of it goes on their part and how much is reclaimed and how much is waste. They, it, it gets finite, and those companies do very, very well profitability-wise. Um, but before you can determine applied cost, you have to know things about transfer efficiency. So liquid paint... You're going to be much better at this than I am, but if you, there, there's a lot of waste in liquid paint when it comes to solvents, I've heard
1: well, all it's a the carrier, time. Well, it's a carrier, right? So a carrier it, and a cleaner. Well, it, it does lots of things. Yeah. But again, paint is layers, right? So if I put on, let's just say, four mils, I have four here. If I have four mils, if it's 50% solids in a liquid, two mils is coming away because that's my carrier and that's my solvents and co-solvents and the only thing remaining is pigment and binders and some of the other magic foo-foo that they put in the liquid, right? So that's your formulation. But if it's 50% solids, you can guarantee there's only 50% of that total wet film that's going to be left when it's dry. Right. When we apply powder, it's not that way. When I apply four mils of powder, you're gonna just about come out with four mils of powder dry. And there are dry film thickness gauges for powder. And they started around $3,500 yeah, just for a, really a manual tough. one. And you gotta get really close to the substrate. It's an ultrasonic um, signal that it sends out, vibration to tell them, and you have to know the emissivity, I can't even say it today, emissivity of the powder and all that's just kind of it it boils down to when i'm when i know what my coding requirements are based off of the technical data sheet the tds then i can start making assumptions of what my total applied cost is going to be he worked in the powder industry for many years selling powder. So there are fillers in powder that do you no know good. It doesn't help with color. It doesn't help with color retention. It's a filler, it's cheap, and it makes you not have as long a durability with that. But when you look at these charts and somebody comes to talk to you that's a powder supplier and they're talking, oh yeah, whatever. Well, you, you wanna look at what's the secret code? What in the in the powder? In the powder.
0: Why well, am I drawing a blank? Your specific gravity. Thank you very much. I didn't want to have to tell you. <laughs> so so specific- it came rushing back to
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Specific gravity is what you how you're gonna measure coating thickness. Right, And then percent solids on your liquid is how you're going to measure coating thickness. So you have to look at those things and compare the two in our sheet that we're going to build, right, and determine that. So we have to determine what our transfer efficiency is, commonly known buzzword uh, or acronym in the business, TE, transfer efficiency, which really means when I paint this part and I'm putting liquid I'm, I'm spraying 12 ounces of liquid a minute out of this part, how much of that's actually going on to the sub uh, out of my gun, excuse me, 12 ounces a minute coming out of my gun, how much of that's going on the part? Because 12 ounces is what's being sprayed. Versus how much is going actually on the, in the part. filter. Yeah, yeah, and on the part. So realistically, with liquid, you're not recovering that unless it's UV and hardly any of you are gonna be doing that. So when we're spraying 12 ounces a minute out of that gun and I figure my trigger time, then I'm gonna know how much it takes. If you happen to be a shop that has plural component meter mix equipment in your system now for your uh, line that takes A and B and mixes them together on the fly, you're gonna have a meter that will give you a display of how many ounces a minute you're spraying, what your total was, you can set it to zero, you can run your job of a hundred parts, and then you can come back and go, I used this much paint. Okay, so that's really what I need to charge the customer, not how much I put on their product. Yep, that's right. It's what came out of the gun and that's it. So That's, that's your expense. On the powder side, well, first of all, on the liquid side,
0: Let's continue with that. So now you have another cost because you don't just have the paint; you have the solvent. Some of that solvent might have potentially been added to the paint after it gets To get a certain amount of bite to it, right? Uh,
1: well, there are characteristics much like adding flow for powder. Correct. Right. So you have what? Well, we-
0: you don't add solvent to powder to add, to get flow. That's not what
1: he said. No. So. I may need to have more open time in my liquid coating to allow it to smooth out, reduce orange peel, and to give it the look and or match a look. If you're in tier one or something, you gotta match match the texture of your part that's gonna be shipped to the assembly plant. That's why I call it assembly plant. They don't do everything there. They ship that part there and then you gotta match the car that you yep. are painting. If you're doing the door handles, you gotta match the orange peel, you gotta match the color. So once that paint gets to your facility, you may have to tweak it, put a little tail solvent in it, what have you, yep. and change that. But in addition to that, now you have the liquid gun
0: that you've been spraying with, you're gonna be cleaning that out. Flush material. You're gonna be using flush solvents to flush the gun out. Hazardous waste. To you know get everything cleaned out, from your needle to the the gun tip the everything's got to be cleaned out yep. the hose that was connected it was pushing the paint through the gun yep. so now you've added more waste uh in your line that's your additional so cost. you have additional costs that are
1: adding up in, in liquid every time you change color and liquid you have to flush all the way back you gotta flush right so you have to account for that flush in your product run as part of building your list of what your total applied cost is gonna be. Yep. Keep that in mind, total applied cost. Let that burn in for a while because that's the homework you're gonna have to do. And it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of detailed thought to get there. Correct,
0: Right. correct. Um, so we talked about transfer efficiency. Uh, With powder, you have, there's an industry average that's touted on a batch gun scenario that with a standard batch gun with a box feeder and, you know, whatever, I'm not going to mention a brand with this comment, but whatever gun that you're running, uh, the average efficiency out of a box feeder is 50%. Now, if you're educated to the point where you've been around the equipment a long time, you've been powder coating for a while, and you pay attention, You could back the powder off some, you could back the velocity of the airflow back some, you can play with your, uh, you know, keep it as high KV as possible. And I've literally witnessed booths that were on with the fan running and seen operators where I barely see any powder go past the park. Their process is fine-tuned, they know what they're doing. Shout out to my buddy, Brett Hickson, who you've met in Nashville, Tennessee, who is just an absolute, Brett is a, and the only reason I say this is Brett started out small by himself. He's now, you know, quite quite a big system. But Brett was one of those first guys that I ever saw that I could not tell where the overspray was going. Roger was close.
1: Because, Roger, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger yeah, yeah. Was close. But if you're a small shop and your production levels aren't high, you can do that. But if your production levels are high and you're trying to get parts out. Blow and go. Then, then you may turn it up and your transfer efficiency not be 50%. Yep. It may be lower than 50%. So you have to be cognizant of the speed in which I need to apply my coatings. Which tells you how much you got to put it uh, in grams per minute out yep. of the nozzle of the gun, just like ounces per minute or CCs per minute out of a liquid gun. Yep. So you have to you have to set up what your production speed's going to be, and then then do your numbers based off of Correct. that. But not off of well, let me dial it in and tweak it, and I'm going to get right down. Yeah, to the some of that you have
0: Sometimes you have to take that time. You mentioned Roger. Yeah, Roger, man. Probably one of the most uh, detailed, fine-tuned... Ex-military guy. uh, The guy could work magic. He was the first guy that ever saw... Sand and buff Wet
1: sand powder coating surfaces. Yes, you can, folks. You can make powder coating as slick as liquid. You can sand it. You can buff it. Yep. Yes. Roger B. Yep. However, that takes time. And if that's what your customer will pay for, they will, they will look at that and go, wow, everybody else's powder coat is orange peely, but yours yeah. isn't. And don't tell them your secret sauce. Don't give it away. Uh, you know, this, is, this is my sauce. This is my technology that I know, and it's, and it's secret. So,
0: so let's get back to that really quick. So we have transfer efficiency. By knowing the transfer efficiency, I now have uh, the I now can formulate how much it costs me at five dollars a pound or six dollars a pound or a down and dirty three dollars a pound if of powder. You're, if you're reclaiming, if you're spraying to waste. No, even if even if you're spraying to waste, yeah, you still know your you still know your loss. If you here's how you here's how you determine that secret have a scale in your shop near where your powder boxes are stored before you spray part a grab the box of powder if it's a let's say if it's a uh, box feeder weigh that box of powder
1: it's it's easier if you do it on a smaller amount with yes. with a vacuum cleaner bag that is that is true so if you if you take a Empty vacuum cleaner bag, When uh, a vacuum that has bags, and you put it on your small scale and you tear weight it so you know what the bag yep. weighs empty, zero it out, turn your voltage off of your powder gun, spray it into the bag for X amount of seconds. The longer, the more accurate. So, accurate. <laughs> accurate. (laughs) So the longer you trigger, the more accurate your reading is going to be or your information is going to be. So we're looking for grams per minute out of a powder gun. So try to trigger it for a minute and then come back, put it on the scale, and you know exactly how much was coming out of that gun that minute. So every minute of trigger, I know how much powder is coming out. With the I, Keep a, in mind, you you know, changing your
0: velocity, changing your powder volume, that's going to alter this test. But it'll give you a baseline. And people like to mess with that powder gun all the time, changing all the settings and KTBs. They're out there. You got to watch for them. They're they're
1: little rascals. What was that? KTBs. What's a KTB? I'll bite. I can't tell you. <laughs> but I can't tell you all of it. I can tell you the first two knob turning people so you got to keep you got to them out of it right so for those knob turners we have in the gaming unit we've, re- we've reviewed that in a couple of films but we have 20 preset programs on the manual and we can just let them run between that and keep them out but uh, what we have to look at also with grams per minute yep. right and trigger time I now have a friend that I don't have to do as much homework with in the Bluetooth capability with the new GEMA OptiPro. That's right. That's right. OptiFlex Pro, right? So right. it tells you time of trigger and the average amount of powder that's coming out the of there. volume. Yeah. Yep. And then you apply your cost to it uh, per pound and it makes it a little bit more simple. But if you're really looking for true TE, the bag test is the way to go. Then we go from transfer efficiency
0: to applied cost. Applied cost is actually um, taking (laughs) transfer efficiency and uh, applying that to figure out exactly how much it costs to do a job. The coating
1: is only one portion of applied cost. So let's let's walk down what some of the other things are real quickly. Uh, One is your energy cost my lights are on, my compressor's on, my oven's on, my booth is on, uh, all of the, my conveyor, if I have a conveyor, it's on.
0: No, I wanna back up Back up a second. Sure. You got ahead of it. So you got transfer efficiency, then you have applied cost. Applied cost is actually thus doing what we were just talking about. Sure. Figuring out uh, how much it actually, how much powder it's gonna take to do a job. Mm-hmm. So that's where we can take transfer efficiency, we take the, uh, we can take the um, specific gravity, and the, film the dollar amount of the powder per pound and we can do the math and we can figure out that a powder with uh, a one point Two specific gravity versus the same color, uh, same whatever with other bells and whistles and junk thrown into it from somebody else that's a 1.7 specific gravity, even if the 1.2, which is a leaner, richer powder, less filler, even if it's more expensive, that you might be able to get a much higher transfer efficiency out of that than you can on that 1.7 specific gravity. Absolutely. So that's where we're figuring out
1: applied costs. Some of the fillers don't charge folks. And we're yeah. charging those powder particles to make them go to the substrate. So you, you do, you. from what I understand, uh,
0: being in the powder business for quite a while, um, I was always told by some amazing experts out there in the field, that, uh, or in the labs, that you some of the filler component like with the calcium carbonate, is required to help with the viscosity of the actual powder and to get that powder through the line. You know, get it, help it travel, basically. But you go too heavy on that, you know, you basically sell powder, what? You sell it by the pound. That's how people purchase powder. So if I've got five pounds of a powder with specific gravity of 1.2 and I have 5 pounds of specific gravity that's at a 1.7 because it's got a bunch of extra calcium carbonate in it. This one over here, 1.2, is going to go a lot farther than this one over here. I might get, you know, you know what do they say, the average square feet per pound, 20. 25 square feet per pound, I might get 35 out of this, or 40 square feet per pound out of this. This one over here, I might get 15, 13. And this one was cheaper, but guess what? I'm going three times the the, the exposure onto the part coverage than I am with the other one. So yes, I wanted to touch on that. Um, Then after you've done applied costs, now where you're headed is actual costs. So let's add up the, how much it costs to flip the that light games. on, yeah. the oven on, and oven's running all day, uh, your personnel, your, you know, your powder coating applicator, your, uh, the, the person that's in the office, the accountant running all the sales quotes, uh, everybody in the plant, your, your Home Depot bill every month, you're, <laughs> you know, you, you got everything right. You got to know what it costs to run your business per hour. You should really get to that point as a coder because that is what really helps you determine what you need to charge per part. How many times have you and I been together and somebody said, "How what should they gotta charge for this?" And what is the answer we give them? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, what do they do down there? It doesn't apply. And I'm not going to tell you what they charge because they're a competitor of yours and they're a customer of mine. I don't share that, those details. But if you want to talk about it, how much does it cost for you to run your shop per hour? And they, the answer is always like, I don't know. That's the first, that's the first thing you should know. It, it, what does it cost for you to flip that light on? And let me tell you what, we, he and I have had customers together that could tell us that exact number.
1: It's, it's tough to make yourself peek behind the curtain and see what lies in wait. You may find things you don't want to find out, and you may find out, holy moly, I am not making the money that I thought I should be making, and I'm wondering why you know my balance it's sheets not aren't working out right. And then it's just like making yourself a budget at home. You're going to find out things about yourself that, that you don't like. Some well, and it gives you the opportunity to change and make it better, right? As yep. opposed to just taking money out of your um, mouths of the of your employees. Yep. Right. Or doubling your price to your customer that you'll probably lose. Yeah. And that's another thing, you know.
0: You can you can always what do we call it race to the bottom, With and barrage. be the cheapest person on the block to do powder coating, but uh, they're usually not the ones that last the longest. No, the ones that last are the ones that know what it costs. They can tell a customer. They can look at the customer square in the face and tell them what it costs and why, and uh, if they wanted to share that. But sure. but it's uh, it is what it is, and those people are constantly reinventing um the number of people that we've seen start from their garage at their house with a little booth and everything wasn't necessarily up and up but they learned very quickly how powder coating works yeah and you know we call it the easy bake oven application you know where they have an old stove in the backyard you know an old oven uh, that they just got working good enough and they'll hang little parts in it um, or set parts on the rack, whatever that be, whatever that is. But we've seen people go from that and learn the process to monster companies now that they own because they were really good at what they did and they understood it every step of the way. Details. You know. Um, we mentioned safety earlier. Uh, I can think of a lot of safety issues when it comes to to liquid and the solvents and the breathing of, of VOCs, uh, which is, you know, permits are all tied to that too, you know, about what goes out, um, how it's taken, treated and, and whatnot. But in the powder side, there are a few things to think about. Um, Again, powder has no VOCs, no solvents involved. Um, But powder does not need to be breathed in. Powder is a foreign substance to the body. It's not, uh, I'm not going to say, it's it's not a hazmat chemical. It's not a hazmat property. But it's something you don't want to get down on your knees and snort up sand at the beach. You don't want to you know you don't want to dig up dirt out in the backyard and mesh it into a fine powder and, and breathe it in. But man, I go into powder shops and you've got the guys with the two lines coming out of their nose and I can tell you every color that they sprayed that day because I see traces of all of it where they have literally been inhaling it. And you don't want to do that. That is not healthy. It's, it can get in your lungs, and it gets trapped. It's an irritant. And they, and I've always wondered about this. There's an old uh, European, it's German, Austrian uh, uh, practice that when you get done powder coating for the day, you should drink a big glass of milk. <laughs> There's something about that with the effects of the the mucus or whatever that it causes, you know, the phlegm, I guess, or whatever. There's some kind of a cleansing property to that uh,
1: um, after powder coating all day. Yeah. And I was taught that. It typically gives you drainage and a snotty nose by drinking milk or ice cream, right? I mean, it really does. It's, yeah, it's it's, it, it's 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 so there there's something about that, but I
0: don't know. But but certainly when you're in powder coating, you're in an if you're doing it right, you're in an enclosed room. But either way, you've got the powder around you. You. You know, the basic minimum requirements would be a uh, like a contractor's United. dust mask, an M95 dust mask um, for like drywall dust, that type of a scenario. Right. And uh, maybe some eye protection, keep it out of your eyes. Certainly. Not maybe. Eye protection to keep it out of your eyes. And um, it's not really loud the powder process, back but, but you do have the back pulsing of the cartridge filters. so ears. So you wanna think about covering the mouth, the nose, the eyes, and protecting your ears. Uh, don't need a hard hat unless your plant requires it due to whatever you're wearing, but certainly in enclosed booths, environmentally enclosed booths, pressurized booths, whatever, you really want to look at a ppe's uh, breathable air system
1: yeah or a papper one One that's the type, with the hood yeah one that's a, a battery powered on your belt yep. that gives you positive pressure and then that now i'm freed up and i'm not restricted here it's in a big helmet if you will a little tyvek helmet type deal that's on a hard hat frame that's just sitting up there that doesn't really in, have any encumbrances on you so the other thing that i want to talk about when we talk about ppe with powder is do not powder coat with a flannel shirt on don't do it right and you you're not going to get by with that because it's going to go and it's going to attach itself to the substrate and it will look like your part has hair on it Right. And so will a liquid one. So put yourself in a suit. It doesn't have to be a Tyvek suit. It can be a nice, washable, breathable suit like we've had in some of our videos that DeVilvis was kind enough yep. to give to us for those videos. That's right. So we want to look at not letting things on me get onto the part. So that's important as well. Uh, and it covers up facial hair. So you got all those things that that helps your part stay clean as it's coming through the coating process. Whereas liquid you're gonna be exhausting your liquid paint fumes out of the building. They have to go out of the building. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They go out of the building. With powder, I can take that air, your shop air, I can clean it up, I can filter it into HEPA filtration, and I can return that air back into my building. So if I have a environmentally controlled building environment that's conditioned with air and heat, I am spending much more money to replenish the air that my spray booth is pulling out in a liquid with powder I'm returning that that nice conditioned air with slightly heated up going through the, the motor and stuff like that and the fan but coming back into my shop environment and I'm not paying for that yep I'm, I'm not paying extra money
0: you're, you're recycling that air you sure are yep you know? that again, the creation of air into a plant is another high-dollar cost. AMUs, you know, that are having to make up for that. If you were, you know, pushing the air out of the building, you have to make that up. You have, That's why they call them an air makeup unit. Right. <laughs> you have to make up the air that you're exhausting. So In a liquid, in a liquid, booth. In, in a liquid booth. In a liquid so, booth. So um, Paint storage. That's a pretty heavy deal when you talk about liquid. It is and paint storage and paint uh, to ready and prep to get it ready. Centrally located in those situations in a paint kitchen,
1: right? You know. So, with small operations and large operations, most insurance companies with a liquid paint application want you to have no more on the floor out there than what you can spray in a day's time a day's production right so if you only spray 30 gallons then that's probably all they're going to want to allow you to have out there on the shop floor the rest of it's going to have to be stored in a at least two hour fire rated containment either inside your building or outside storage then you have to have spill containment you have to have ventilation out there and you have to worry about those conditions. If it's outside your building, out into a lean-to attached to your normal building, right? Yep. And it's not temperature controlled, then you have to bring that coating inside, allow it to warm up because you're gonna have differences in viscosity there, and you're gonna have to let it warm up, acclimate before you can use it. So you're constantly moving liquids in and out. When you're storing powder coating, you don't have to have a two-hour fire rating. You just need to put it in a little uh, studded wall uh, area over in your shop that you can put a little room air conditioner in to, to continue to pull the humidity out of that room. That's all you have to do. Yep. And and you're ready to go. You bring it out. If, uh, if it's a powder that's been there for a while, you may want to take the bag out, knead it, uh, the, the bag. Break it up a little bit. Break it up, roll it around on the ground, whatever, squeeze it up, get it so that it's movable and more fluid, fluidized. Fluidized. And be able to put it in your hopper, put it in your box, and get it ready to move through the system and be conveyed and apply your powder without it surging. And or have clumps in it, so it's, so it's much easier to put it into play than it would be liquid.
0: And you know, powder. If you're if you're watching that temperature, you know, seventy seven degrees is like the perfect. Yeah. And you know, a normal relative humidity. You know, so
1: you're not shocking that powder moving it from one layer into another. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I didn't mention it, and it's, it's worth coming back to, is is that with powder you're not tweaking that formulation once it gets on your floor like a liquid and i have to tweak it with that tail solvent and adjust the viscosity right. depending on how hot it is in my environment in, in my spray area if it's 120 degrees in your plant and yes i've seen it i've been in it and you sweat right yep. you have to change how fast that solvent evaporates right you either have to slow it down speed it up what have you on your coating, your liquid coating. With, with powder, it doesn't matter what temperature it is. You just spray it and you go.
0: Now, there are some really heavy powders that I've seen out there that have sat for a while and got, have gotten really, really heavy or really, really compacted. And, uh, but you don't have to add anything to it. You, I'll tell you what, I've seen some powders where, where the manufacturer sent out a little bit of flow additive to add to it to get things a little bit more silky smoothie. It's like flour in your hand, you know, but if you add a little bit of cornstarch, it's just, it's that smoothness, you know. It's the same with powder. You know, powder can be more dense, heavier, I'm not gonna say chalky, but it just won't move. It just gets really heavy. Really high, really high uh, specific gravity. And um, they will, I, 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 as a rep, I was sent flow additive to try to get things to move better, um, to overcome some other issues like humidity, other factors that were outside factors also. Um, I, ha- I haven't been a part of that. So, that I had seen that happen, but, um, in general, uh, all powder really needs is that is some kind of a sifting mechanism. Because I've had powder, I've, I've seen it that's in a box, it's kind of weighed down heavy, just been there forever. Because the earth is kind of always moving, right? You always have some kind of a vibration, natural vibration in the ground. And a powder box sitting there will just continue to pack down (laughs) little by little by little. The fork truck driving by on the concrete floor. All the time. So, um, you know, I've seen those scenarios. And the one thing that always brings that powder back to life is putting it through a uh, a vibratory table of some kind that sifts it, you know, dump the whole bag up on top. Put the bag back in the box. Put it underneath the unit. Hit hit the vibration table, and it just sifts that powder all the way down through. And you know, powder that was only halfway up in the box. Yeah. Now, when you sifted it and you added all that air, you basically the fluidizing effect. Um, that box is almost full at that point. And you talk about powder that's ready to be sprayed. Boom, ready to go. Yeah. So uh, I do recommend that. I do recommend those vibratory tables, the sifting tables for powder. If you if you like to make sure that you can hold your powder back for a while um, and utilize it again in the future, definitely get one of those tables. It'll help you out. Vibratory sifter. Yeah. So the paint storage, you know, obviously low impact with powder, but you need to have an area that, that stays at a 77 degree or as close to it Fahrenheit as possible with a normal humidity, like mid-range, normal humidity level, uh, you need to make sure that that's sustainable throughout the life of that powder while, it's,
1: while the boxes are being stored. That's optimal. That, that gives you optimal results, but truth is, he and I both have seen customers that have powder that sits out and it's hotter and blazes and gets cold, and they still use it. So I've seen powder bags. It's not optimal. I've seen the plastic powder bags
0: sweating the water on the outside because the powder was so cold when it was brought out into the into the heat. So that's flip side. <laughs> the other one I was talking about. You want to be careful. Um, so, here's what we're gonna do. I think we're pretty much, we pretty much covered it. Um, pretty close. You you If you are interested in in this. It's a process. In undertaking this process, that's a great sure. word for it. Uh, if you wanna look at that process a little closer, you wanna to talk to somebody about it. You can call 800-334 one zero zero one, and you will you will be calling Air Power, our company, and not our company, but the company that we are pleasurably working for. Uh, gainfully employed. Gainfully employed with. Uh, you call us and just say uh, who you are and where you are. And, and what you want to do, and what you want to do, and we will get you to the right person. Somebody that answers the phone will get you to the right person. It might be me, might be Eddie, might be somebody else, uh, depending on where you are. But uh, we can handle. You know, Air Power handles this all the time, and it's very commonly done switching from liquid to powder, or or so, in some cases going from powder to liquid. Powder to liquid and rare, but or adding liquid to their process so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to create a little like questionnaire with uh, information uh, informal questions that you, you can answer uh, and request some assistance from us in uh, in that process so uh, if you go down into the comments below, the comments section below, the description of this video, you will see a link for a form that you can fill out. And we will definitely be looking forward to uh, helping you in the future. But fill that out. It'll have some really important things to think about. and, um, and Print that form out before you send it, have it on the side just so that you uh, have references to what was asked, and
1: we'll take it through that process. It's so gr- It's a great start. I'm sorry perfect, for a Perfect start. It's a great start. It's not the end all. There's going to be more questions. There's going to be more dialogue back and forth, but this gets you on the proper path to move forward, and if you can answer these questions with some homework on your end it helps us before we ever return your call to review that to understand what you're currently doing just like we talked about today watch this video a couple of times in case you missed something we want you to engage all your senses of your shop right and all the senses of your needs of your customer we we get all of those things and get them in a homogeneous mix, and we put them on those pieces of paper in this document, and then we take that, extrapolate that information, and go, hmm, yeah, this is where we should start. Let's look at this. Have you thought about that? And it, and it gets a good running dialogue started. So once we get a good start with that, then we can bring in a, a pretreatment partner, right? Yep. And, and talk to them. And if you're not sure about your compressed air quality that it is now. You can take photos of that. You can send that to us. You can put it in on the email, right? Yep. On our, our, our company email. Send photos in, this is what I have. Is this good enough or is this not good enough? I, I have powder coating, I'm gonna stay with powder coating. I'd really like to make sure that my air quality's good enough. Can you take a look at this? And we might be able to help you You know, out just by Pictures and, and part numbers that you have, or descriptions of what you have. Don't yep. to get too that far was off there. But we're here not just for the other part. We're here for you. Period. You've seen us do tools. You've seen us do sealants and adhesives. You've you've seen us do liquid finishing. You've seen us do powder finishing. You've seen us do grounding. PPE. You. you this is all encompassing, and and we have material handling. So this is an all-encompassing company that you can partner with and say, I need help here, but while you're in my shop, why don't you look around and see what else that you can help me identify? Correct. We are here to save you money and help you make money and identify where your trouble areas are or what you could do to improve those areas. And yep. we're, we're just here for you. That's right. We're a resource. <laughs> All right.
0: One eight hundred three three four one zero zero one. This is the video version of the podcast. So if you're if you're listening to this, you can also watch this at AirPowerAirWaves.com and uh, our podcast is hosted by buzzsprout i'm kind of happy to say that we haven't even been in this uh, for a full year yet and we're right at about 800 downloads of just the audio version that's great so that's pretty cool um thank you for your support and for watching um airpower airwaves.com the corporate page for us where you can find parts information contact people uh, um processes that we work with on assemble move and coat Uh, that's all available at airpower-usa.com and social media um, number one is our youtube channel we have a strong youtube channel Uh, it's uh, just go to youtube and type in airpower inc or uh, Air power Manufacturing solutions, and you will find our air power. Just look for that logo right up there and you'll see it and it'll be ready to go. Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram uh, are also available. Uh, look for us. But thank you so much, Eddie. Brother, knocked out a first podcast with you. I'm looking forward to filming our second one here shortly. Yes, sir. And uh, I'm not even going to say what it's about. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending your time with us on Air Power Airwaves. And before I break from this, I you know what I'm going to say, and I know. Let me hear you say it. I think they know it. Manufacture it. A great day.
1: Hey. Thank you for joining the Air Power Airwaves Podcast. Air Power Airwaves is a production of Air Power Inc. and Air Power Live Studios and is hosted by Travis Steyrwald. For more information, please visit airpowerairwaves.com. For more information on all of our products, brands, and manufacturing solutions, please visit airpower-usa.com. If you have any questions or need product support, please contact Air Power at 1-800-334-1001.